Greetings, podcast listeners. Welcome to this week's episode of History from One Student to Another. In this episode about Stalin's Russia, we will be looking at the question, how far was Joseph Stalin a totalitarian ruler? Without further ado, let's begin by looking at the factors which allowed Stalin to gain power. Firstly, Stalin's manipulative power abilities were a major factor in his rise to power. For example, Stalin attacked Trotsky's decision to refuse the position of deputy chairman, claiming it was because he planned to take Lenin's place instead. Later, following the death of Lenin, whilst Trotsky was away recovering from illness, he received a telegram from Stalin notifying him of Lenin's death. Stalin deliberately provided him with the wrong date of the funeral and told him he would be unable to make it back in time. This manipulation allowed the triumvirs to present themselves as Lenin's successors in the absence of Trotsky. Secondly, Stalin's ability to remove all of his political opponents was a reason for his rise to power. The Great Purge he embarked on was primarily an effort by Stalin to eliminate challenge from past and potential opposition groups, including the left-wing leader, Leon Trotsky, his supporters, and the right-wing leader, Nikolai Bukharin and his supporters. He convicted Trotsky, Bukharin, and other opposition during show trials, leading to their deportation, arrest, and eventual executions or assassinations. Thirdly, the weaknesses and ineffectiveness of Stalin's political opponents was a major factor for his rise to power. For example, due to Stalin's superiority and Trotsky's weakness, he was able to remove the left opposition from influential positions and expand his supporters in the Central Committee, with the support of Bukharin initially. Then, in late 1924, Stalin took actions to reduce the influences of Kamenev and Zinoviev, removing their supporters from posts of influence. He had the superior power to demote Kamenev to a candidate member and forced Zinoviev to hand over his position as leader of the Leningrad party to another of Stalin's supporters, Kirov. Stalin was also able to influence to remove the weak Zinoviev from Pilipilipuro, leaving Trotsky the only one left who opposed Stalin. Stalin was much stronger than his opposition and was able to force Zinoviev and Kamenev and the thousands of oppositionists to announce that their views and criticisms of Stalin and the party had been wrong. Fourthly, Lenin's premature death in January 1924 enabled Stalin's rise to power. Stalin used Lenin's death and legacy to help him rise to power. He portrayed him as Lenin's successor, who would carry on his legacy and carry out his aims and mission. Finally, Stalin's position as General Secretary led to his rise to power. His role in the government as General Secretary was a fundamental factor to his rise to power as he had the power to appoint and dismiss key communist officials, and use this to his advantage, appointing his friends and supporters to key positions. Now, let's look at Stalin's political policies over the course of his rule to determine how far he was a totalitarian ruler. Firstly, Stalin aimed to remove opposition from within the government. He achieved this through removing opponents in the power struggle, the Great Purge of 1936, during which he massacred political opponents within the Communist Party, and the Moscow Show Trials in 1936, during which he publicly showcased the strength of the regime, using it as deterrence to prevent others from disobeying his rule. Secondly, Stalin aimed to suppress opposing ideologies. He did this by removing the left opposition and right opposition during the earlier stages of his rule. Last but not least, he aimed to establish absolute control over the Communist Party. He did this in several ways, namely, replacing the regional secretaries and governors, banning the women's branch of the Communist Party and preventing resistance within the government. He also did it through the Lenin enrollment in 1925, during which many supporters of Stalin and believers of Stalinism joined the party. Moreover, the Soviet Union adopted a new constitution in 1936, known as the Stalin Constitution. 
In practice, it asserted the leading role of the Bolshevik party and legally cemented the general secretary's control over the party. This allowed Stalin to remove all opposition to his rule from within the party, further cementing communism as a national ideology and establishing him as Lenin's successor. Moving on to look at Stalin's economic policies throughout his rule so as to determine the extent of his totalitarianism. One of his key aims was to increase the productivity of agriculture and grain exports with modernization and ending private ownership. This culminated in the Great Break of 1928 and 1929, during which there was a sharp change in the economic policy of the USSR, as Lenin's new economic policy was abandoned in favor of confiscating private land in 1928, collectivization in 1929, industrialization, and the beginning of a cultural revolution. However, these policies in turn resulted in food shortages in 1928, a massive famine in 1930, and another famine from 1932 to 1933, which led to the deaths of almost 10 million people due to starvation. Additionally, by 1939, almost all agricultural land was organized into collectives, with 95.6% of farmsteads collectivized by then. Concurrently, grain collection rose from 10.8 million tons in 1928 to 22.8 million tons in 1931. Another of his aims was to increase industrialization. With this, he abolished the new economic policy, which included free market and capitalism, both subject to state control, and implemented a series of five-year plans, the first from 1928 to 1932, the second from 1933 to 1937, and the third beginning in 1938 before it was interrupted by the German invasion of the Soviet Union in 1941. These plans caused some social discontent, including riots and resilience towards the government, which was quickly repressed. Moreover, they actually failed to meet their targeted production figures all but once. Despite this element of failure, by 1938, the USSR had overtaken Britain and Germany in industrial output, and annual industrial growth was 12 to 13% during the third five-year plan as they were preparing for war. For just a short break from the podcast, I would like to say thank you for your continued support and listening to this podcast. I would be extremely grateful if you could further support my podcast by buying me a coffee via the link in the description. Anyway, let's get back to the episode as we look at the totalitarian social policies of Joseph Stalin. One of his key aims was to unify the Soviet people under the ideals of Bolshevism. A key belief of Bolshevism was anti-religion. In 1925, the government founded the League of Militant Atheists to intensify the persecution of the Russian Orthodox Church. Some anti-religious youth groups were also formed, including the Commissar Mall, the Young Pioneers, and the League of Militant Godless, and also the Museums of Scientific Atheism, Workers' Evening Universities of Atheism under the auspices of trade unions, and others were also formed. These groups all worked towards exterminating religion and promoting atheism in the Soviet Union. With this, in the period between 1927 and 1940, the number of Orthodox churches in the Russian Republic fell from 29,584 to less than 500, whilst more than 85,000 Orthodox priests were shot in 1937 alone. By 1941, only one-twelfth of the Russian Orthodox Church priests were left functioning in their parishes, and only 500 churches remained open out of the approximately 54,000 that existed before the First World War. Another of his key aims was to indoctrinate the younger generation to becoming reputable leaders and contributors to Bolshevik society. 
Aside from the anti-religious youth organizations, Soviet anti-capitalist and heavily propaganda-based education was made compulsory for at least 10 years, with every child entitled to a free 9-month education program. A new curriculum was created in 1935, exaggerating the importance of the communists, Stalin's role in the October Revolution, and including other elements of propaganda. Meanwhile, the youths of the movement, Komsomol, which I mentioned earlier, took a loyalty pledge to Stalin. It had 10 million members by 1940. It was basically the Soviet version of Hitler Youth, as it was used for propaganda and to indoctrinate the workers of the future. Of course, not only the youths were exposed to propaganda under the Soviet government. Ubiquitous propaganda was implemented throughout the country to promote Stalin's image as the godlike savior and leader of the USSR. The Department of Agitation and Propaganda, often shortened to Agitprop, was largely responsible for creating the propaganda of the Soviet government. Some other policies. Under Lenin, marriage laws were liberal and very flexible. However, this caused the highest divorce rate in Europe in 1920, with 70% of these divorces initiated by men as they could easily abandon women if they had an unwanted pregnancy. In fact, reports of young men registering many short-lived marriages were prevalent, with numbers as high as 15 marriages. However, Stalin wished to encourage the mass procreation of babies and discourage abortions in divorce. The easy divorce policies were abolished in 1927, However, one of the issues that came with this was that divorced couples often still lived together. This was also linked with a high cost of living and lack of housing availability, and this caused a rise in reports of rape and domestic violence. From 1910 to 1920, the total fertility rate dropped from 7.18 to 5.22. During Stalin's encouragement of procreation, the total fertility rate increased to 6.36 by 1930, showing that his policies were somewhat successful. However, likely due to industrialization, a high cost of living and a lack of housing, the total fertility rate dropped back to 4.49 by 1935 before a slight increase to 4.73 in 1940. But to conclude this episode, let's sum up the extent to which Stalin created a totalitarian state. Much of what he had did had been started by Lenin and much of that had followed from the autocracy of the Tsars. There was a tradition of authoritarianism already ingrained in Soviet society, but Stalin developed it to a much larger extent. It could even be argued that he changed the very nature of totalitarianism. Stalin's ability to establish a pinnacle of autocracy within the entire political body was a fundamental aspect that proved he was able to create a completely totalitarian rule and society. Stalin's rampant use of repressive measures to establish absolute control largely showed that he had created a totalitarian state. Overall, Stalin's absolute control of the entirety of society proves that he had successfully established totalitarian rule. Thank you for listening to this episode of History from One Student to Another. Please click follow or subscribe to be notified when the next episode is released. There are links in the description for you to access my website, provide me with feedback, suggestions and questions, and visit my social media. Again, I would be very grateful if you would be so kind as to buy me a coffee via the link in the description. This is the end of the episode. Thank you for listening, and goodbye.